Every, uh, every summer, for the last, I think, about 40 years, I think it is, uh, there's been a pageant of motoring in, in Bromley and centred on Norman Park, which, for those of you who know where Hayes Lane Baptist Church is, it's kind of almost <coughs> behind our, our building. Uh, so one Sunday in the summer, loads of cars of all sorts of different descriptions, many of them very, very old, would come trundling down the roads uh, and down Hayes Lane quite often, or down Bromley Common, and go into the park and people would pay to go in and, and, and look at them. Actually, there isn't going to be one this year because of you, Les, so that, that, <laughs> but we will not be distracted by that thought. Um, but it's, so it's been cancelled for 2024. Um, but so you see, you can see some cars, and you think, well, how old that car is? You know, and yet it's shining, gleaming, and looks like it's been pampered and nurtured. And you think, oh, but how many miles it's done? Um, maybe lots, because it's so old, or maybe not very many, because it's in such good condition. And you think it's just been kept and uh, looked after and hardly used for all it, its life. Uh, some people live like that, don't they? You know, I, I want to live as long as I possibly can, so I'll do as little as I can get away, get, do, do as little as I can, look after myself in the best possible, possible way and take absolutely no risks. On the other hand, you get some cars, you see, you must have seen this slogan in the back of some cars, um, one life, live it. It's normally on the back of a sporty 4x4, and when I see one of those, I think, I wonder what sort of life the person who owns that car lives and you think you know maybe there's bronze his son son there's scratched there's scarred they've had broke mute, multiple broken bones and you think what about the car is it full of sand is it <laughs> spattered with mud scraped and scratched inside and out because it's just pushed to its limits to fit as much as it possibly can uh into its its experience and that's another way that any of you live like that I think you're more like the pampered old. <laughs> well, no. I mean, so, looking up in the gallery, you're not. Pam, you're not. You may be pampered, but you're not old. But looking down here, there's quite a generation gap actually between the two floors. It's probably because. Thank you. You said it for me. I did wonder whether that was the reason. Um, but, uh, but um, no, some of you, some of you young ones are downstairs. which is very nice, as well. Um, I don't mind where you sit. <laughs> Make yourselves at home. But there are, those are two very contrasting ways to live, aren't, aren't they? And we can, you know, people can be very different. And you say, what's the, what's the best way? Cram as much as you can into every day, or try to last as long as you possibly can and stretch your life out. Which is the better way to live? And then you hear this very well-known saying of C.T. Studd, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And you think, well, is that actually the better way to live? Well, this psalm sort of addresses that kind of a question. It's full of time references, this psalm. I don't know if you noticed it as we read it. Ever so many references to time. And verse 12 is a prayer. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Help us to count count our days, to think about our days, think about what we're going to do with our days, think about how we're going to live, how we're going to use the days you've granted us. Help us to think about life and how long it is, how long it lasts, and what happens at the end of it, so that we may know how to live, we may gain a heart of wisdom by taking life seriously. 
Um, and I think the psalm actually answers its own prayer. Um, so what I want to try to do is to pick out six wise ideas from this psalm. Now don't panic too much because I've got a clock right in front of me and I'm, we're not just be count, numbering our days, I'm numbering the minutes <laughs> as well. But um, six very wise ideas about, that relate to how we live. And the first one is this, and I, I'll, I'll take longer over the first few and then speed up towards the end, so don't panic. <laughs> and the first one is this, and I, 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 this is so, such an important first point. Uh, number your days in awe of God. Number your days in awe of God, which is very much the theme of the first few verses of this psalm. Uh, so many approaches to life are actually about as if it's all about me. How should I live? How should I, how should I, what's the best way to live? And it's really all about me. What do I want? What will satisfy my needs? What will give me the best life or, or me or a, a quite a small us me and my nearest and dearest me and my close family or my people who are nearest to me but this psalm sets this whole question teaches us to number our days and we may gain a heart of wisdom very much in the context of who god is and verse two before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So teach us to number our days in the context of the one who has no days. Really. No, it is dayless, from everlasting to everlasting. The one who's immeasurable, an uncountable number of days if there were such things before the world was made. You know, just everlasting to everlasting. And in the context of that, that sense of the awesome greatness of God, what are my days? My, my few days on earth. What, what, are, what are my days? To number my days in relationship with the eternal nature of God. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. Had a particularly bad night last night. Um, and you know, we, 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 all, we all do it from time to time, I'm sure. Um, you know, you wake up, you look at the clock, and you think, oh, what time is it, one o'clock in the morning? Oh, no, no. But some of you hadn't even gone to bed by then. But, um, oh, you know, what's the time? And then, then you think, am I ever going to get to sleep? And the next thing you know is the alarm goes off. And you think, where did all that time go? Where did all that time go? Just like a watch in the night, you slept through it. Well, to, to God, a thousand years. You know, that's before 1066. That's a long time ago, wasn't it? Just like, just like that. Just gone. Because God is eternal. He's, out, he's outside of time. And it's all, it's all, this is the point, really. It's all about him. All about him, not about me. All about him. I think true wisdom surely starts and finishes with an awestruck sense of the greatness of God. Teach me to number my days. God, you are eternal. Some people think that the actual kind of real kind of killer question to ask a Christian is this. Okay, well, who made God then? If it's your favourite, if you're not a believer and it's your favourite question, please don't think I'm being rude, but it is actually quite a silly question. Because nobody made God. God has always, always been, it is all about him. 
everything that exists is all about him. Because he was here first. Indeed, he has always been here. He has always been. He is the uncaused first cause. He has always, always, always been. And everything else that is, is because of him. And it teach me to number my days with an awareness of the eternal nature of God. Now, when Moses, who wrote this psalm, was sent by God to, to lead the people of Israel, he said, who should I say is sending me? And God said, tell them, I am sent you. I am. That's the always existing one. I always have been, I am now, and I always will be. And that is thought to be what lies behind the name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah. His personal name, I am, the always existent one. Teach us to number our days, always existent one. The great I am. Now, do you have that sort of wisdom? You know, I, I wish I did. I don't want to give you the impression that I live all my, all my days in the conscious awareness of the eternal nature of God. I couldn't possibly do it. Uh, and in fact, the best I can ever hope for, really, is just to grasp this thought for a few minutes a day, if I can, or even perhaps even only for a few seconds of the day. Just to meditate upon the eternal nature of God and think that's, that, is, that is, he is what it's all about. It's not about me. It's all about him. It all belongs to him. All his. Um, but I find that if I can just grasp that for a few seconds, it kind of resets my clock somehow. For a while at least. And I see life as it is. And isn't that what wisdom's about? seeing life as it is and knowing how to make the right decisions and rejoice I'm sure I've said this to you before but rejoice in what the Bible shows us of the nature of God as triune you know, I'm sure I've said this to you before I'm going to say it again but you, know, some, you could say well okay well if God has always been how can he have been happy in, in total isolation forever before all of us lovely people were here for him to talk to. How can he have been happy? Because he's obviously a personal being. He's made personal beings who need to relate to other people. So how can the creator of personality be happy without any other people to talk to? Forever. Total isolation. Well, this is where the wonderful nature of God that is revealed in the Bible helps us to grow, understand something of that. Because though he is only one God, within his nature there is an extraordinary complexity that there are three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And for all eternity they have been three and one, one and three, and they've been happy together. There has been a whole community of God, one God, but three persons. He has always had relationship, always had love being able to give and receive and experience love and order and righteousness and, and kindness within himself forever and ever and ever. And the wonderful, amazing thing is why did he ever bother creating us if he's always been so happy? And the even more extraordinary thing than that is this. When we went wrong, why did he bother coming and helping us to rescue us? And at the disruption of his own being. 
My God, Jesus said, my God, my God, why did you forsake me? In order to rescue us. I'm exhausted already. Got another three quarters of an hour to go yet. But it's just, it's amazing, isn't it? Lord, teach me to number my days. Where do I fit into eternity? Your eternal plan. Why, Lord? Why me? I need to gain a heart of wisdom. Okay, that's the first of six. Number two, number your days in the fear of God. Fear is a very, very healthy emotion. I think I said this in the the first of this series, at the end of last year. But it's a very healthy emotion. It saves us from all sorts of trouble. Um, you know, warns us about dangers that we could so we could so easily fall into. And it's foolish not to fear. Very foolish not to fear. But awe does not necessarily lead to fear. They are not identical. So if you go to the mountains and see the great massive mountainous landscape ahead of you, you may be in awe of its grandeur, and you may feel tiny in relation to it. But you don't fear the mountains, well, at least not unless you're climbing one at the moment, but you don't fear them. You, you may be in awe of them, but you don't fear them. Or you go on holiday when there isn't so much light pollution, and you look up into the night sky, and you see just the huge, vast host of stars that... In, you couldn't possibly count and you feel, you feel tiny in relation to you may be in awe of the stars in the sky but you're not frightened of them you don't fear, you don't fear them do you so fear and awe are not the same thing but with, with regard to God we need to have both awe and fear fear that will make us careful of how we relate to him anybody done Airbnb? Or the like, you know, self-catering holidays. Rent a chalet or apartment or a house or something. Um, you know, Kate and I have done a few now. Just, you know, a few days at a time, short break. And they vary a lot. Um, so the host, you might never meet the host. The person who owns the place where you're staying. They might say, you know, here's the, here's the combination for the, the safe on the outside of the house and you get the key out there. Make sure you're gone by 10 o'clock on your day of checking out. They set the rules and you have to obey the rules. You know, uh, don't arrive before 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, no parties, no pets, no smoking. Pay for what you break. Get out by 10 o'clock in the morning on the day you, you leave. That kind of thing. And, and so you, you know, think, oh, well, I'll obey, obey the rules. Of course, you, of course you obey the rules. You obey the rules. Because you don't want to incur the penalty that will come if you don't. And because you just know you should obey rules anyway. So that's one extreme. You never ever meet the host. But on the other extreme end is that actually sometimes you share a room in another person's house. And they're there as well. Now we've never done that. I don't really fancy it too much. But, um, you know, so you might say, well, they might share the kitchen. Or the bathroom. But you've got your own bedroom. And they're in the house as well. The nearest we got to it was one occasion when the host lived upstairs and we lived, we stayed in a kind of an apartment on the ground floor. And so we saw them a bit, not very much. And there were various different stages in between. But 
God is kind of like our host. We're living in his world. He's the landlord. He's the owner. He, he allows us to live in this place, but he is not distant. Verse 1 says this, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. So, whatever kind of Airbnb you're staying in, you would respect and obey the rules of the host. But depending on how much you saw them, your relationship would vary, wouldn't it? With God, though he is above and beyond and outside of everything he has made, eternal. Yet, on the other hand, He is very, very, very close. You have been our dwelling place. Not just you have provided our dwelling place, but you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Or as the Apostle Paul said when he was preaching in Athens, he said this quoting the Greek poets, he said, He is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. God is here, there, and everywhere you go. He is the host who sets the rules, but he is the host in whose sight and in whose presence you live. Day after day after day after day, Lord, help me to number my days in the fear of God. Not just because he has set the rules, but because he is here with me, watching me. I'm living in the same place as him. You, are my dwell- you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. And that brings a whole different aspect into it, doesn't it? Not just awe, but also that relational fear of offending him. Because he is here. He is here. Wherever you go, he is there. You cannot flee from him. He is everywhere all the time. And we... We, we all break his laws all of the time and we are under his wrath all of the time. Verse 8, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. Your face is right there with you, watching. Watching. You can't see him, but he can see you. You have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Now, as I said, this is written by Moses, who was well aware of God's wrath, especially in the last phase of his life. he knew what he was writing about here he knew how how the children of Israel were under God's wrath under his love and rescue but they were also under his wrath and how we fear God depends on our relationship with Jesus if you haven't been rescued yet by him you're not yet turned to him and trusting in him your fear is of quite a different level than the fear of those who have, who are safe. Because you haven't yet been <laughs> forgiven. And all those things that you have done wrong and thought wrong and said wrong and not done right or thought right or said right, he knows about them all. And your sense of fear of him is intense, should be, should be intense. Until that gets put right. Which it can be. By the Lord Jesus as you receive the salvation he came to obtain for us. Not just afraid you might break his laws, but the fact that you have broken his laws 
and will do tomorrow as well and every day but for those of us who have been rescued by Jesus who are safe forgiven cleansed and God has has taken away our guilt we still need to have that right fear of God that right respect for God because we break his rules as well you know we break that precious vase in his house so to speak it has to be paid for we bend the forks that have to be paid for we smash the furniture that has to be repaired at a cost <coughs> we break his rules but we know what it costs him to repair the damage we've done and so we have a different kind of fear not that he's going to punish us but that he's paying for us and we respect him so much and fear him so much we don't want to break any more rules because Jesus has paid for that and borne the cost of that and he is right here with us and sees what we do and why we do it and what we say and why we say it and what we think and why we think it and why we don't do what we should have done he's right here with us and yet he paid the price and when you're living that close to someone who pays the price for all your wrongdoing then you your fear fear is, is the right word it's a loving respectful fear of offending him because you know what it costs him to love you and love you and love you and love you and that, that sense of fear leads so clearly into verse 12 let me read verse 11 into verse 12 who, who knows the power of your anger for as the fear of you so is your wrath so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom I need wisdom to live a life because of the awesome nature and the fearful nature of God. So make sure you do fear God. Take him seriously. Seek to obey his laws. Confess to him when you do wrong. And turn to the Lord Jesus to trust him. You know, every, every war you hear about, every famine you hear about, all of the suffering in the world or in your own circumstances that you hear about, let them remind you of the fact that the judge is coming, that this world is under the wrath of God and judgment day is coming one day. Let them remind you of that and say, I must be safe in Jesus before that day comes. Must be safe. And I can be if I turn to him now in repentance and faith. Third, Number your days by the mercy of God. Verse 13. Return, O Lord, how long, and have compassion on your servants. God did have mercy on the children of Israel under Moses' leadership over and over and over and over again. He was patient with them. He provided for them. He cared for them over and over and over again. And Moses' prayer, he has been answered massively. There are many parallels. If you want to read Exodus 31 to 34 in the light of Psalm 90, give it a try and you'll see a tremendous amount of par parallel and connection between the two. Because Moses, that's the story of Moses and this is the poem that Moses wrote. But God has had compassion on us. He has returned to us. He has not turned away. I can't stand these people. He has turned back. Return. It's 
faced us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have compassion on us in great pity as Jesus lived and died to save us. He has answered this prayer. And the wise person receives that mercy, that help and that forgiveness and lives in it every day. Lord, help me to number my days in the light of your mercy. Help me to receive your mercy as soon as I possibly can and walk in it day after day after day. Another killer accusation against Christians, we've had who made God, we've had Trinity, well now how about this one? Christianity is a crutch for weak people. You heard that one? Yes? Yes? Okay, it is. And I'm weak and I'm glad I've got a crutch. You know, I'm a sinner and I'm glad I've got Jesus. Aren't you? What's wrong with that? The foolish person who needs is the weak person who refuses to use a walking stick, aren't they? Two people here in wheelchairs. You know what it's about, don't you? Of course you do. Anybody else got a stick? I can't see any other sticks, but maybe any of you up there um, got walking stick? You'd be a fool if you need a walking stick. Use one. If you need hearing aids, get them. Hello. If you need glasses, wear them, you know? If you need to take the tablets, take them. If you need a saviour, trust him. And we all need a saviour. We all need a saviour. Everybody does. We're all weak. And the foolish person is the person who won't acknowledge it and won't receive the help that's offered. The wise person is the one who numbers their days in the light of the mercy of God and says, I've got another life and I've got another day to get through here. I need as much mercy as from God as I can get. And you can get it in abundance in the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach us to number our days. So don't put it off, you know. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Some people take the view, I'm going to put off becoming a Christian until the last possible moment. And I'll wait until, I'll wait until I've finished school. Well, that's not very late, I know, but I'll wait till I finish school. I'll wait till I, if I go to university, I'll wait till I finish university. I'll wait till I finish working. When I retire, then I'll become a Christian. Because it's tough being a Christian at work. If you knew where I worked, you'd know. As if it's the worst possible thing you could do. <laughs> you know, I'll put it off, I'll put it off. I'll, I'll wait, I, you know, as if it's the worst option of life, in life. But it's the best option in life, isn't it? It's the best thing you can do. My, one of my deepest regrets is that I did not become a Christian when I was younger. Think of all the things I wouldn't have done and the better life I would have had if I'd become a Christian when I was younger. You know, don't put it off. Number your days. Grasp that, receive that mercy as soon as you possibly can. Because then, number four, and we are going fast now, number four, number your days in the joy of the Lord. Verse 14. This is a lovely, lovely verse. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. This is another day for the Christian to be glad. This is another day for a Christian to tick off the list, number your days in the, in the joy of the Lord. 
you know, satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. The word early actually is the same Hebrew word as in verse 5 and 6 that's translated morning. The morning, early in the day. Satisfy us early in the day with your, uh, with your, mercy, with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. <coughs> Wake me up, Lord, to see where I am. Wake me up to, 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 know, to know your love and kindness. Wake me up to be able to rejoice in you today and every day. Let me live with each day with you. Maybe if you're not yet a believer, you could kind of turn this into your prayer. Lord, I've wasted so many of my days so far. Please let me live with you today and every day. That I may know true joy, true satisfaction, true fulfilment. I've written that verse out, actually, and I stuck it opposite where I have my breakfast and I can just about see by then um, stuck it opposite where I have my breakfast so that it just helps me to think another day to rejoice in God and to seek his satisfaction see it's not, it's not he doesn't love you and satisfy you it's that you haven't responded to his love it's not that his love is insecure or you know not always there is that we don't consciously think about it isn't it Lord please help me each day to tap into your love your mercy which is faithful and rejoice in you every day fifth one by telling other people about God about the Lord Jesus verses 16 to 17 let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us yes establish the work of our hands to use to number our days wisely I think this is another opportunity to point other people to the Lord Jesus Christ that they may be saved as well. As Paul wrote to the Colossians, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. The word, <coughs> the word in uh, our psalm, verse 17, beauty, could be translated beauty, or just as well, it could be translated favour. Um, favour we, we need God's help if we're going to tell other people about the Lord Jesus let it be known to your servants and to their children let other, let, please let the whole group know let everybody know about this your servants and their children but beauty is such a lovely translation of it as well you know, we want to represent God's beautiful character in the world we want to shine for God in the world and we need his favour to help us to do that. Help me to number my days. This is another day to live for God. I want my life to count for God. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I want to do something beautiful for God each day that will last forever. And what will last forever? What will last forever? There is something we can do 
with the help of the favour of God that will last forever. Isn't that one definite thing? Maybe, there may be others as well. But there's one definite thing we can do with the favour of God, displaying the beauty of God that will last forever, establish the work of our hands. Not something that's going to disappear when we die, not something that's going to disappear when the world is consumed with fire, but something that will last forever, and that is somebody else coming to be saved eternally. There is something that will last forever. There's some work you can be involved in that will last forever. Someone plucked from hell and taken to heaven. A change, a transformation that will last forever. There's, there's a wise way to live, isn't it? I want to be able to remember that, you know, when the opportunities to tell, talk to somebody come up. I could do something here that will, could last forever. That person could be saved for eternity. And I could maybe a part, be a part in that work. Lord, establish the work of our hands. And then <coughs> lastly, point number six. Don't make the same mistake that I've made throughout this sermon. Do it together. I've said this very much in, a term, in terms of you or me individually. But this psalm is actually all about togetherness. The, if, you just, if I just read you the first and the last verse, notice the pronouns which give away whether it's singular or plural. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Verse 17, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. It's not just me. It's not just you individual. It's us together. Corporate. Corporately. How are you most going to show the beauty of the Lord? Well, yes, in your own personal life, hopefully. But also in your relationships with each other, us together. Let us display in our com com community life, our fellowship life, the beauty of God's peace, harmony, righteousness, love, care and faithfulness. Is that the one that goes out streamed, that camera? That's the one. I thought it was. So do you mind if I just speak to folks down the line? You can, you can listen in if you want, but I'm, I'm aiming at them because um, this facility of YouTube and... Is it YouTube you use? Yeah. YouTube um, and street streaming and watching on YouTube later is a tremendous thing for you. And I think for some of you probably it is a real lifeline because it's the closest you can get to the folks here at church. And that's wonderful. But for some of you, you're doing another very, very, very good thing. You're shopping around looking for a church that teaches the Bible. And that's great. If you live nearby, can I tell you it's even better if you come here in person? Um, you know, the singing is quite good here. Um, it wouldn't be if I was in the congregation and you were standing in front of me, but generally speaking, it's very, very good. And it's so much better to sing God's praises with other people. If you come here, you've got people to talk to, ask questions of, who will encourage you and help you and support you. So if you can, be brave. Step across the threshold and come and join them. For others of you, maybe you're shopping around trying to find the right thing to believe in. And that's a tremendously sensible thing to do. And I urge you as well, 
yeah, keep watching online if you can. And join these people with these people here. You can ask them all your questions, and they'll try to answer them for you. So this is an us thing. It's a corporate thing, isn't it? It's so much. You know, you remember the days of COVID? Isn't it better now? To be together like this is wonderful. Well, let's, this is what this psalm is. Us, it's all us. Us, we, our, together. To learn to number our days. Prod each other where we need a bit of encouragement or challenge. And go on with God. Amen. Amen.